0: people had to also be involved. And then it says Moshe saw the entire work and behold they had done it as Adonai had commanded so had they done and Moshe blessed them. Now that that wording there sounds very similar when you go back to Genesis chapter 1 right? And God saw the work that he had done and it was good. Right? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: You know, and, in, and with respect to Shabbat and he blessed it, right? Right. But yeah. so you have here this creation of the tabernacle, which Chazal are basically saying the creation of the tab- tabernacle was almost like an extension of the creation of everything. Of, of everything. Yeah. And so you have this language that sort of parallels the same type of language that Hashem used when he would step back and look upon all the work that we've done and it was good. And that's exactly what Moshe does cool. here at the end.
1: I like that. I mean, isn't it great that Hashem invites us to His work? Indeed. We get to join Him in His work. Lori, you've been very patient. Thank <laughs> you. Thank
2: you. Um, this, I don't think on my Torah here, but towards, I think, the end where it talks about the assembly of all the, the parts and the pieces and all this and we know the construction of the tabernacle. Is you have the courtyard, on the outside where all the people go, mm-hmm. and you have the holy place where the priests go every day to do the menorah and the bread and everything. Then you have the holy place, which the, the high priest only goes once a year, right? Now the holy place has the ark, like the most sacred things. But what I really think is neat as I picked up this, this year as you were reading last night um, the altar outside where people bring their sacrifices. Like all the people of Israel come, and that's how they mean the guns, They bring their sacrifice you're never going to see, as we said before, you're never going to see the Ark, you're never going to see the Caribbean, you're never going to see the menorah again, but so in a sense, like, you don't really get to be part of the Holy polis, you know? Mm-hmm. But, how the Torah, how God describes it here is he says the altar, the outside altar, where people bring their sacrifice, where people touch, that shall be Holy polis. Mm-hmm.
1: Only here, holy things can touch it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that was really neat that he's like bringing an extension of the holiest part inside mm-hmm. and claiming that, which is you know, gold, pure gold, everything's pure gold, but on the outside, it's the closet copper, which is an inferior metal in many ways, and um, it's dirty and it's for the common people. But even that gets to be called holy holy because Hashem stood up where we get to with it. So That's mm-hmm.
1: Very cool. I like that. He's bringing it to us, yeah so to speak because um, that's the thing is it's like uh, you read through this passage and it's very easy. I don't know if uh, I know that we have a couple of people here who've been to Versailles, uh, which is a really amazing palace in, in, in France. and you walk in and, and it's like it's almost laughable at times. you' think to yourself there's no way all of this is really made out of gold because it's just like I mean just walls of gold. And the whole idea though of that time period is you would, you would intentionally go way over the top because you wanted to create that sense of awe, that sense of like majesty that came with it. It wasn't just that you had to have um, something that looked impressive. It was that it wanted to look impressive and really just kind of shock you to make you realize just how impressive a person you are entering their presence. So if we think about this whole idea, Hashem is all about meeting with us, but he's also about creating a right sense of awe here in this passage. So you read through this stuff and it's like the amount of silver and gold, we got to that one thing and it's like thousands and thousands and thousands of shekels for all this stuff. And it's like all of that is to get that idea, that awe. And so I hope that um, as we're reading through this, like we want to marry those two concepts, both the idea that Hashem wants to meet with us, so he's bringing it to us, which is what he's also doing with the tabernacle in general. We can't go into the holy of holies in heaven, so he's bringing it to us. At the same time, that doesn't mean we're buddy-buddy, and we're going to go high-five and sit in his lap and that kind of relationship. He's still God, and he still wants that awe to be associated with it. So it's, it is both at the same time. And it's not hard for us to understand, but it is the way that we should perceive it. So I've got like four hands. I'll start with my dad, and we're going to come back around again. You know, I don't, I don't want
3: to detract from the shot this passage because I think knowing that we were there and we will be there in the building of a physical tabernacle, mm-hmm. a physical temple, mm-hmm. uh, can be understated better. Absolutely. I, I do love the Midrash of, of all these things as well and how they point to not only to that time but also to our very essence in this, in this uh, creation. And Betzalel is another another really cool thing about his name. By the way, Betzalel, if, you, if you've Frequent Jerusalem, Betzalel is the heart of the city. I mean, everybody's a reference off, well, it's off uh, it's either off King George or it's off Betzalel, you know. It's like it's like a it's a reference point, it's a geographic reference It's a street point. name
1: in, it was street in downtown name. Jerusalem.
3: So, but hey, Bezalel is it also has a root of of cell, which is a shadow. Right. And and in our human uh, platonic, not in a platonic way, but uh platoistic, platonistic way of looking at the way the world exists we think shadows are inferior Mm. instead of recognizing that shadows are actually a representation of the the true nature of something so so Moshe goes up on the mountain and he sees this temple this tabernacle in the heavenlies and God says go down and make me one like this and so he comes down and this is the description that we see And we understand that when we get to the end, and I don't want to get ahead, but we get to the end of this passage, and the whole thing, it shows that it works. It's a portal. It is a portal for the almighty, infinite one to be in time and space in ways we cannot even begin to comprehend, because we can't imagine how it is not to be in time and space. And it works, but it's worthless for us, because we can't. Although he can be there, we can't be there. Right. And if it's supposed or, to be a place to meet, other. we gotta have a way that we can be there too. And the entire first part of Leviticus is to make that point. And unfortunately, both Judaism and Christianity have so perverted the non the, the idea of the offerings, and I and I even Orthodox Judaism has an incorrect view of it because it's all about this end of this book, Exodus. That's the purpose of the offerings, so that we can go there where he is. But Zell is a perfect <coughs> copy. It's a perfect mm. representation. My favorite sage who writes in the Midrash writes in Colossians. He says, See that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, This, I think he's pointing his finger directly at Plato. According to the elementary spirits, which it, elementary spirit spirits and the Greek behind that actually means earth, wind, and fire. You know, it's the whole things that make up man's view. We'd say it's global warming myths. But man's view of the way things work, of the world, but not according to Messiah. For in him, that is in Messiah, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now we've got cell. shadow, the shadow, a perfect representation, the shape, the outline. For you have been filled in him, who is the head and rule and all authority in him. You were circumcised and with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Messiah, having been buried with him in immersion, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, having canceled the the record of debt that stood against us with legal demands. This he set aside. He disarmed rulers. Therefore, and this is my point, therefore let no one pass judgment on you In question to food or drink with regard to a festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow. And Paul, he's a Hebrew speaker. When he writes shadow in Greek here, he's thinking tsel, betzelet. He's thinking tsel, the perfect representation, the outline that the only way that you as a human being are going to see what's invisible Mm -hmm. is through this shadow. So the only way that we can see the dwelling place in the heavenlies, heavenlies is for us to build a tabernacle. Mm-hmm. The only way that we can see the invisible God is to see him in human representation in Messiah himself. is the only way that we can see him. Mm-hmm. The only way that he can be approached. The, the infinite God cannot dwell in finite space except through a tabernacle. Messiah is our tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah so you mentioned
1: the, the, uh, the, ch- 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 the end of our parashah. We get a little uh, repeat um at the end of the book if you flip uh if your book has those extra chapters um you get to the very end or towards the very end of revelation it says in chapter 15 um it says we've gone through a whole lot of judgments a lot of a lot of things interestingly enough we have the, the start of chapter 15 is the song of moshe and the lamb they sing a new song um, and then they they it says after these things i looked and the temple of the tent of witness in heaven was opened out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues dressed in pure bright linen and wearing wide gold sashes around their chests that sounds vaguely familiar um then one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of god who lives forever and ever and the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of god and from his power no one was able to enter the temple until the seven angels seven plagues were finished so you think about like this um when hashem comes down in the end of exodus to dwell in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle, it it's, it's should really make you go, whoa. Like, this is not like, I feel like sometimes people almost look at it like, you know, it's like, you know, smoke coming through, like, you know, like a rock concert kind of thing, and, you know, Moshe can't see, so we can't go inside. It's like, that's not it at all. We have the very awesome and holy <coughs> presence of God dwelling in the tabernacle, and when he is there in fullness, as we see at the end of Revelation, when he is unleashing his full wrath on the wicked, no one goes no in. One goes in. So let's see. I know you've got you, but I've also got Pete. You done? Ben
4: had a question.
1: Oh, yes. Go ahead. You said you were, talking, you were talking about a plumber before. About what? A plumber. Oh. He's trying to figure it out. Yeah, Betzalel. Well, Betzalel's not really a plumber. He's actually quite an amazing um, artist, sculptor, kn- Woodworker. knitter. He was Leonardo
3: da Vinci before there was a Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he had overall my, my point was to a plumber, right?
4: My point was that he probably wasn't a plumber when God called. Him. But if uh, he God was probably doing this kind of work already.
1: But if God gives you the ability to be a plumber, then doing a good job as a plumber is doing the work of God. Because I think
4: that's what I think that's what Bethel did. He did what he wasn't God's a do. He was doing what. Was it you that said whatever whatever you're bent to do? Was do exact. you? Well, sort of. I guess that would be you, right? Right. The same thing. I mean, to 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 do what God has. Enabled able to do, do it as unto him. Right.
1: And, you know, we're going to be building another one. Maybe you're the guy. <laughs> Maybe you're the guy. Yes, sir.
0: All right, so I am picking up
1: uh, at the beginning
0: of Parsha Pekide, Um
1: Okay, there we go. Keep it moving. Which
0: Whoa-hoo. is 38, verse 21. So it starts out, Ale Pekhudeh Hamishkan, Mishkan Haedut. A share, etc., etc. Okay, so these are the accountings, or I think Archbury uses the word reckonings, but these are the accountings of the Mishkan, right? It does say it's the, the accounting. Well, so, <laughs> you know, me being a finance guy, you know, um, I always take note of, of that t- type of language, but we know elsewhere in the Torah that. When there's accounting of something, it's important,
4: mm-hmm.
0: right? There's significance, there's deep significance to it. And <clears throat> so, what are we, what are, what are we taking accounting of, right? What are we, what are we reckoning here, as it were? Uh, we're we're tallying up the offerings of you know the silver, the gold, the copper, all these things that were that were contributed, right? We're taking a, a, a tally, we're accounting for it. Um, so there's a there's a beautiful midrash that talks about you know when if you if you take the rich man right if the rich man sits back and he counts up all of his money and his investments and you know his what you know all of his wherewithal right you can it's it's possible to become prideful in that look at all of the stuff that I have, right? Look at all of the wealth I have. Look at all of this mm-hmm. or that, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be money, right?
1: So, kind of sounds like Haman. You know? I got invited to this party. I have this many sons, and so on and so forth.
0: Right. So when we when we are when we are counting things up, it's connected to this this idea that you know there's what's the you know there's got to be a motivation here. What are we? Right. Why are you counting? Right. What are you? You know, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, what's interesting is. And this midrash and it sort of um, dovetails onto what um, Pete said earlier, where there's this idea that you know you bring your prayers to the zaddik, and the zaddik can construct something, you know, right? Well, similar concept, the offerings, the silver, the gold, and things that were brought represent the good works of the people. Hmm, okay. Right? the mixed vote, as it were, right? Um, But if we sit around and we tally up all of our good works, then we run the risk of potentially, you know, why are you doing that? Mm. Why do you feel like you need to count up your your good works, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's only one person who ultimately is going to keep the score there. So why do you feel compelled to do it? And if you're counting up, well, gee, you know, I, I wore zintzi today, and I kept kosher today, and I, you know, I, you know, I, um, I prayed shacharit and mincha and maariv today, and you know, if you start tallying up all your good works, um, why are you doing that? And and at the end of the day, if the rich man if he counts up all his wealth and that's all he does and he stops there then he's, he, is, he is bordering if not in fact being prideful unless he tallies it all up and at the end says there's a phrase I can't remember how it goes in Hebrew but you tally it all up and then you say but there's nothing but him Ooh, that's cool yeah.
1: okay.
0: in other words all of the stuff that we have okay yeah we have it but we still have nothing on the hand. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's a hint here in this first verse, because if you add up the characters of verse one of Parsha Pekuday, the accountings, there's sixty-one characters. Of course there
5: right.
0: Rob Ginsburg says, you know, he is part of this madrash. He says, well, 61 is the gematria of the Hebrew word aim, which means nothing
1: without. Right and gematria, of course, being the numerical values for each letter. Correct. Kind of like in our in English, should be like A is one, B is two, so on. Right. That we were really... <laughs> so really. Right.
0: <laughs> so. we
1: have
0: the we have the accountings of all this good works. But there's this hint in the Hebrew that it's still nothing, and what's interesting about the word Ain is that the word Ain also is can be used in in a couple lots. Also used. In reference to the right. name right, which is the one edge. who is from nothing, right? He is, where did he come from? Where did he begin? You know, he's he's just he's um, he is just infinite, right? So the point, so the te- the teaching is, yes, we bring our good works. We have to have good works. You can't build the tabernacle if you don't have good works, but. If we count our good works without acknowledging that we are nothing, right? If I say, well, look at, you know, I, I helped two old ladies across the street this week. Okay, well, that's great, but how many old ladies did I pass up because I was too wrapped up in my own world or, you know, I was running late to my business meeting or whatever the case was? How many mitzvot did I, could I have done that I didn't do, right? So if you start counting your mitzvot, that... You know that, that cuts both ways, right? Because you can also count the ones you should have done that you didn't do,
6: mm.
0: right? So if we're going to count the good works, then we have to conclude after we do that, we have nothing but Him, mm-hmm. right? And the word "ain" you can you can you can rearrange those same letters, right? So the gematria is the same. "Ani," I am nothing. I have nothing without Hashem. Mm -hmm. So it's a really, really neat neat idea. And it's also, going back to the parallel of this is Messiah returning, right? What is he doing? He's taking account of the good works of his people. Mm -hmm. And we see that also in the apostolic scriptures, right? You know, the church would call that the judgment seat of Christ or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the idea of when he assembles his people, he will t- He will take account of the gold and the silver, right, these mm-hmm. good works. Wood-haze. But if, but <clears throat> for us to do that, if we do that without acknowledging that
1: mm-hmm. we have nothing without him, then we are Amen. borderline mm-hmm. being proudful. Amen. Good point. Very good so. point. I like that. Yeah. Josh, I
2: was just going to... That, that well, that's in the Apostolic Scriptures, that's what Paul said, you know, because he said, I was a rabbi of rabbis, I was a Pharisee, I was this <coughs> and that, and I counted all dumb knowing Messiah, Yeshua. Sure. <laughs> so it's all
4: about him. Mm-hmm. And y- Yeshua talks about this, or was listening to some of the first fruits of Zion, and how, as, as the Christian church wants to say, well, Yeshua broke the Sabbath, right? obviously a lot of people gonna say, well, oh, I took care of the Sabbath. I, took it, I didn't do any of the 39 prohibited things. But as we know, Yeshua mixed mud with saliva and smeared on the face. Oh, that's uh, um, not, bi- no, 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 he's not. not. No, no, that's yeah. what I'm getting. Which is the appearance, as he said in Deuteronomy, watch how you don't just judge on appearance, mm. okay? But what was he doing? He wasn't violating. He did what was great. turf. You know,
0: I would say it a little differently. I would say he did violate the the Shabbat. Tradition. But the but the point of it is that even the alleviation of human suffering in life trumps Shabbat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that right, it, and
4: which I was trying to connect yeah. from what you're saying is not necessarily marking of what you're doing because sometimes we might be like oh I kept kosher but yet we might not be treating somebody a certain way right. mm-hmm. or we might not be saying hey next time I get in an incident how am I going to react to
1: that <coughs> and those are the greater things yeah. right and, you and know? it's like and, and as, as Yeshua says to the to the, Khrushim, the Pharisees he says you do all these small things um, but you've forgotten the big things not that you should stop doing the small things, right? Right, right, right. Which which goes back to yeah, well.
4: I think they, what's Deuteronomy sixteen thirteen, if I'm not mistaken, is don't judge just on what you see. See what's the depth behind it. Hmm. You know, you could say. I, I mean, I, I've I've been over a cousin's house who I haven't seen in years, and I wanted to be a good example. And his wife just had a baby, and I've eaten unclean animals, not to hurt him. You know that was me you know I so what was greater
1: at that point you know it's like, I, think we're, well, I think the unfortunate thing is that we live in a world where we have to ask a lot of hard questions and we have to, have to work through the answers and uh, it's difficult sometimes to know what those answers are and I think that there is a certain degree of grace in trying to discern from the scriptures how to balance a lot of things that sometimes don't really seem to line up too well. It's sort of like building the tabernacle on Shabbat. Because if you look at it, building the tabernacle is a good thing, but then don't do it on Shabbat. So it's like, so figuring out these things is part of the journey of life that we have. Um, we have a lot of resources to help us figure these things out. And there are
7: other ways that we can be kind and still be obedient. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Mm-hmm. things we need to think about. And I think that's one thing I think if we think about this particular portion, um, it's kind of cool that Hashem's like holy work, so to speak, here is about like a certain degree of creativity. Because um, I do think that um, one of the things that we are, I think, expected to do to some degree is to, to be creative, to, to learn how to follow Hashem in a world that doesn't always let us do that easily because that's, that's a challenge. And I think one of the things that uh, Rabbi Yosef, Obadiah Yosef, um, may his name be for a blessing, one of the things that he emphasized was that the harder job of determining halakha, determining how to practice um, the Torah, is trying to figure out how to be lenient. That's the harder job. Because it's a good thing, but it takes extra effort, extra study, extra thought, extra research, because you don't want to sin, but at the same time, you could sin by accident by not, you know. So it's like you wanna it takes a lot of work and a lot of wisdom um to figure these things out. Yes, sir. Yeah.
7: Do we have time for one more? Oh absolutely. Okay.
8: Is no, like, it about Pidey? It was off of Mr. Oppen's point. Well jump in. Wow, uh, because I just I just taught a class on that a similar idea of the aim self. The good points, you know. Oh right, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, the set the Israelites bringing their their items to build the tabernacle is they correspond to your good points to good deeds, um, and it's no coincidence that we also read the haftarah for the red heifer this week mm-hmm. because they are very um, they are very linked concepts of doing that accounting to find your good points is much like the red heifer in that um, there's a phrase our sages use that says, it defiles the pure and it purifies the defiled. Mm-hmm. Meaning if you're looking for your good points, as Mr. Upham said, like a rich man con- contemplating all his his wealth and stuff, that that will bring you to false pride. Mm-hmm. And that's like how a red heifer will defile the pure. Right. But if you're in a very low place, and you feel far away from Hashem, that is the time to do an accounting right. of your good points and say, like, oh, I put titi down, I did shacharit this morning, and I helped those old ladies cross the road. Because that's when you actually need to see that because all your good points are in complete unity with Hashem, mm-hmm. because the Torah and Hashem are one concept, that Hashem is actually close. And so you can say there is nothing else besides Hashem when you see all your good points. But that also gives you encouragement because your good points are telling you that you're, you're not far from Hashem. Mm-hmm. even though it feels like you're far from Hashem despite your many wrongs and blemishes. And so in that, in that way, it corresponds to the red heifer in that the red heifer purifies the defiled. Right. That's what you should do right it.
1: Right, it's a good point. And actually, it's interesting that that comes up here in this chapter because this particular portion follows, speaking of cows, follows the, the, the golden calf incident So the people of Israel are, like, low, low, not feeling too good right now. And so this is when we count up all of the good the people of Israel did. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that our our sages teach in Rebbe Nachman's is really big on this particular one, is the idea that one of the most powerful weapons that the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, uses is despair. Because as soon as you start feeling like, oh, it's hopeless, I'm a loser, like, how could could God ever love me? Or I screwed up one time and that's it, it's over... It's like, well, that's when basically you're, you're going to go on a, a downward slope because you have no inspiration to do better. Right. So that's why he's saying, that's what Pete's bringing up, uh, this idea, this concept, that when you do feel really down is the time to count up the good things, to realize Hashem is close, so that there is inspiration. It's, like, it's not like it's too late. You can always turn around, you can always recover, so to speak. I mean, you think about it, Hashem tells Moshe, build a tabernacle, it's going to look like this. Then we have this disastrous golden calf incident where God tells, basically tells Moshe, yeah, I'm really not going to go with you anymore. I'm going to wipe them out. Well, he's going to say, that's at first. Then we get like a half step off of that. So we're actually getting better. And Hashem's like, yeah, I, I can't go with them. I, they're a mess. And I'm paraphrasing here. They're a mess. And unfortunately, at some point, they're going to they're mess up again. And I'm just going to have to wipe them out. And Moshe goes, hey, look, if you're, you're going to go with us, we're, we don't want to go and it's so cool that the end of this chapter after all of that when they have recovered when they have made teshuva when they have given of themselves at the end how does the chapter end? how does the book end? it ends Hashem comes and dwells with them He's literally with them and then the next section is that He was with them and they would only travel when He moved so we get that assurance at the end of this book that Hashem went with them and they only went when He went and that is so cool, and that's so exciting because, I mean, if you look at your own life, you can find those down points, those really, really bad ones, and you think to yourself, how can I ever recover from that? How can Hashem ever forgive me for that? How can I have a relationship with Him again? But this book is about forgiveness and redemption. Not to get, like, not to put it aside as like easy and think, like, well, I'll repent tomorrow, but rather, it's like, you know, talking about Hillel, I'll repent the day before you die, which means do it now, because you could die tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm is the idea then that, like, there's always time to recover. So, like, uh, so one of the things, we're talking about counting, and you mentioned that, um, the, the Musar teachers, the ethics teachers, really big into taking an account of yourself at the end of each day, yeah. thinking right. through the things that you did, thinking through the good and the bad, trying to learn from it, mm-hmm. um, kind of doing a summary and moving forward. Um, speaking of a summary, we are getting towards the end. Yes, sir, go ahead. No, <laughs>
5: unfortunately not. Um, also, on the, the special reading we had for the mom about the red heifer, um, well, <laughs> that's the um, I thought it was interesting that in, in the midst of this tour portion where it's so specific as to who is supposed to do what and what exactly they're supposed to do with the correct building and everything, even the red heifer, you know, Eliezer, the coins supposed to take the, the cow out you know, to be slaughtered. But then it says someone, <laughs> right. yeah. happen, but right. someone needs to kill this thing. That same someone has to gather the ashes and put them in a sacred place. Or,
4: or just someone.
5: Right. And I thought that was really interesting because it doesn't say specifically, it just says just pick someone. <laughs> and, and that just seemed like a really huge contrast between this Torah portion mm. where it's, and, and really the rest of the Torah, where it's always said, okay, this Levite, this specific, the Levites have to do this, or the, all the Israelites have to do this, or so specific in telling, you know, this people must do this. And then and this time it's just no. Someone has to do it. And it's kind of like a microcosm of, you know, free will for you know, humanity. It's like just pick someone. It doesn't matter. Just Someone has to do this. Somebody's got to step up. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. There's there's
1: some there's some some. Some. Just your point on repentance
3: right? and that and the two cows is awesome. I mean,
1: yeah. Isn't
5: that
3: great? The, the golden calf and now the red the red heifer and the, the notion that what was what what made the change and is God's motivation for repentance. You know, and as the sages said, you know that that the entire uh, that one hour in the world to come is is worth more than the entire life of good works
2: mm-hmm. in this life,
3: and yet repentance is worth more than the entire world to come. So it 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 it, it gives us the idea that repentance is obviously results in actions that are different, <laughs> but it's not about the good works part of it. It's about Reuniting with God. Mm -hmm. And and the idea that they had sinned in such a flagrant and blatant way that was like almost like beyond comprehension. He just told you not to do
6: this.
3: (laughs) And you did exactly the worst thing that you you didn't pick up like halfway. You went all the way and did the worst possible thing. And in that moment of despair, He gave you an opportunity now to construct a tabernacle where He's going to come and dwell with you. That's just amazing
1: absolutely yeah. it really is and um, I think it's cool as we're reading this portion one of the things we get uh, mentioned a couple of times he talks about the, uh, the engravings on the, the stuff for the priest this is engraving like a signet and um, the two L things that are engraved like a signet are the names of the tribes and the the holy uh, holy to Hashem mm-hmm. the crown and the crown and if you know what a signet ring is um, well, actually we started off by saying if you don't know the signet ring, talk to this man, because he actually has one. Um, uh, a signet ring is, as how kings in times of old would, would demonstrate that it was theirs. They would have a seal or a, a, a crown or crest or something on their ring, they'd put it into the wax, and the wax would be on the envelope or the, the piece of mail or the, the or declaration or whatever, however old you're going here, and they would send it out, and when you'd see that, you would know, A, it hasn't been opened, because the seal hasn't been broken, and B, you would know whose it is. Well, I think it's really cool to me that the signet for Hashem is the names of the tribes. Mm. Mm. So how does the world see him? How do they recognize his imprint? He's identified by his people. He's identified by his people. He's identified by the tribes. He's identified by those who are holy to Hashem. And I think that as, we, like, uh, as we're like as we digging through this, and we're going to wrap up here, and I'm going to have Brock give a comment. Um, but I, I think that we uh, we need to remember that that we are we are God's presence as in a sense in this world just like the tabernacle was or similar to the tabernacle not exactly the same but it's similar and it's like we have a responsibility then that we carry his name on us when we go places when we do things because if we represent him poorly then we not only make us look foolish but we damage his name in this world and uh, when we talk about the idea of um if you pray through the Siddur, you see the section for forgiveness. It's in uh, one of the, um, the benedictions about uh, things you can do. One of the things he asks is that you ask for Hashem to rectify his name because you realize that you've done damage to the reputation and the name of Hashem in this world, and you're asking God to fix that somehow. And so um, thinking about repentance, uh, it's even better. It's, it's really good to repent, but it's even better to hopefully be in a place you don't have to because there is stuff we do that's that's harmful. We and at some level we can't fix it. It really is up to Hashem to have to fix it. Yes, sir. And then I got you. Oh, wow! I'm
0: coming out of the woodwork. Come <laughs> no
5: on. So, just what you're talking about—the God's signature ring is the is the tribes of Israel. Uh, even the Haftor, thats that's his whole point. It's like for the sake of my name, right. will I redeem you? That's right. And right. It's, it's right. to redeem His signature ring, the tribes of Israel. His the way He, you know, signs His name is the reason He's going to.
1: Absolutely. That's a really good point. Very cool. Yes, sir.
6: Well, and uh, something that brought me to deeper repentance during this week was uh, you know, the detail in her tabernacle was amazing. Just the, the, the little things that you would think would be so insignificant. And not just that, but some portions are repeated word for word from just a few chapters that we just read. I'm thinking, God, why? Why are you so detailed in this tabernacle? Mm-hmm. And it was like he said, because it's important. It's important to him. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and, going, and going through, somebody mentioned about, we're the temple, Now we're the tabernacle, and how God is so interested in every little detail of our lives. What we think, what we read, what we say, what we do, everything. Just like every little detail of the tabernacle seems to be in this portion, every little detail, God is interested in us and how we can't take anything for granted that we have to be so... Careful, like you mentioned, of offending him in any mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. All right. All right.
7: Amen. Yes, sir. L- last comment. I, s- I had to, someone had to do it. Talk about um, <laughs> But I think it's it's pretty neat though because the the rich man who can count all of his things, and it's still at the, at the end of the day all boils it down to there is only God. Just like the poor man who whatever he has offers all comes down to God, regardless of the circumference of a circle. If you always it doesn't matter how large or how small it is, if you always divide it by the diameter, it's always an equal pi. And what does this Greek symbol pi look like? It Looks like the letter ched. And what is the letter ched? It's the letter. It's, it's the number eight, right? What is the eighth word in the Torah? It's, it's Eretz, right? And what is Eretz it means earth. What is the earth? it's a, it's a spherical circle, just like, just like <laughs> the shape comes down to it. And if you get the gama, and the earth, right? It revolves around the sun, so we have a solar calendar. Which today's day is three one four one five. Which are the four, uh, the first five digits of pi, three point one four one five. Which, if you get the gamatria, and I did check this out, is, uh, is gadaia, which sounds very similar to the word Gadaiva, which is a chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so, therefore, we know from this this that
3: have, yeah. you have chocolate with your pies. Too. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: back to your dad's teaching about how you have to be really careful with (laughs) good. but thank you sir that was excellent (laughs) speaking of which sir would you close us out in prayer I'd be happy to Uh,
0: we just thank you for today thank you for allowing all of us to assemble uh, together and to pray to honor you um, to bless each other but most importantly to bless you and we pray that you would just um, be with each of us as we begin um, the coming week. Keep us healthy, keep us safe. Guard our hearts, guard our minds. Draw us close to you, to Messiah Yeshua, to the Torah its votes, and to um, the love of Israel. And we give you all the praise. Messiah Shua. Amen. 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 Pray
3: on Tuesday
5: that Lakut wins.
3: <laughs>